0: The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Shit!
2: Get enough of the fan in the morning? Al and Jerry are here with more sports news and other stories that they couldn't get to during the morning show. Here we go. It's Alan and Jerry's post-game podcast.
1: Yes, it is a podcast time. Jerry is in Ohio's or at Ohio State in Columbus, Ohio for uh, Rutgers, Ohio State basketball. So I'm joined by the Eddie Scazzeri.
2: Hello, podcast people.
1: Uh, Eddie, I did pull some articles that I thought were related to you. I saw something about aliens. I printed that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, um, you know, you and I are in that same uh, room, the studio, producer's room, during yes. the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've heard me complain or talk about callers for almost 10 years now.
2: Uh, over 10 years. Al. Over
1: 10 years but now. Is counting. But Yes, exactly. Who's uh, getting caught up in the details? Uh, so I thought today we would just talk about Callers to Sports Radio, callers to WFAN. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're somebody who's been here even much longer than I have. Yes. I have uh, been screening calls for the morning show for over 10 years. Yes. And uh, I put out a tweet this morning, which I knew the Twitter fools would take the wrong way, which was I said, "Uh, here's the phone number to call into WFAN. Because, Mm -hmm. quite frankly... A lot of times the hosts don't give out the number. Right. Right. They,
2: they just assume that we're so popular that everybody has the number. Right. And we'll get callers.
1: It's not easy to find the number. No. Uh, well, I listened to Tony Page coming, Page coming in the morning. He says the phone number so fast you couldn't possibly right. write it down or remember it. So I thought, here's the phone number. This is what I wrote. In an effort to get some new blood, new callers. Right. Instead of the same guys call the same shows every day, every show for years. It's the same guys. Right. I said in an effort to get new ones, here's the phone number. Put it in your phone today. When you feel passionate about something that we're talking about, you'll have the
2: number with you. And you offer no commentary, no nothing. Just that.
1: Just that. So, of course, I got you're desperate for callers. Uh, Ever since Craig left and Mike left, you're desperate for callers. I news for you. The same group of guys have been calling the radio station for years. Mm-hmm. While Craig was here, I get the same callers. Yep. While Mike was here, same callers. There's, uh, and our software will tell me how often someone calls. I'm going to say on average when people call here, they've averaged about 300 phone
2: calls. Minimum.
1: Minimum. I have guys with 15,000 phone calls to the radio station. Yes. So I'm trying to just get new blood.
2: And you've been saying this for years. Yes. And this was just maybe... I'm surprised it actually took you this long to sort of try that avenue. Or or you've done it before.
1: I've given out the number before. I didn't say I'm looking for new callers. I see. You know what I mean? Uh, And the thing is, what's very funny about sports radio... Is this you know on music radio, they would never let a DJ pick one song a shift. They would never let you do that. Right. Yet on sports radio, we hand our programming over to the callers. Some of which, when you meet them in person, you would be frightened by.
2: They're scary. Yes, yeah, some of them
1: scary. So I'm not. I'm just saying we need to do a better job as a radio station, as an industry of not handing over our programming to the same callers whom you would never hire to work here. Right. But yet here we are handing them the shows.
2: Now, you can sort of steer the callers in a certain direction. Yes. And you can have some control. But ultimately, you say, you know, Bob and Brooklyn, and then he's on the air saying whatever Bob and Brooklyn wants to say.
1: Right. And sometimes I think, because here's the thing, when I... uh, when I listen to other radio uh, shows here, mm-hmm. I put on Carlin, Maggie, and Bart Scott. Yeah. I know every caller. Yeah. Either I know them from being on the morning show, or I know them from me not answering their calls.
2: Right. And hearing them on Because the, they call all shows, day. Yes.
1: I am telling you, and I say this to Eddie all the time, there are guys that call me four hours a day, all day long, and I never pick up the phone. And they don't stop calling for weeks, for months, for years.
2: So there's something very strange. Strange. And almost like psychotic going on.
1: Right. So then I do hear them. They get through then to Joe and Evan or to uh, Carlin and his afternoon crew. I click over, uh, you know, I'm bouncing around, seeing what's going on in the industry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Click on Michael K. Same guys. Yep. Same guys.
2: And they kind of sound Normal?
1: Sometimes.
2: Or, but then, then, like you say, when you meet them, they're not. And you would also, never turn
1: over your radio station no. to them.
2: No. You wouldn't hand over your dog's leash to them.
1: No. So I'm looking for new blood. Mm-hmm. That was the point of my tweet.
2: But in the industry, not just sports radio. Right. You know that the percentage of people who call is about it's less than 1% of your listening audience. Right. So you have to have a certain makeup to want to call a radio show on a regular basis. Right. Now, anybody could have, uh, be inspired, be triggered, something, whatever. Yes. For one
1: thing. That's who I want. I want the guy who wants who hears something and decides, I got to call these two.
2: Right, but not the ones who say, hey, you said that band was was this band, and it was actually this band. You don't want that guy. The correcting phone call. Correct. You don't want those.
1: Yeah, the callers are fascinating. The worst ones are the ones where, like, let's say Boomer went on the air and said, Um, the Mets won the World Series in 1987. No, I'm sorry. The Mets won it in 86. 86. I will get 100 phone calls that say, Boomer just said the Mets won the World Series in 87. Right. It was actually 86. So, when he corrects it the very second.
2: They don't hear that.
1: How? How do you I, not hear I, it? I
2: don't know. It's an interesting um, psychosis that yes. goes on. And you say, you know, what do we do? We turn the radio station over. But in a way, Al, that's what the industry is. It's we're talking sports or if you're talking politics or if you're like uh the show I listened to on the overnight, George Norrie, you're talking Bigfoot and aliens. You know, you are turning the show over to the callers. That's the nature of the business. But you don't have to. You don't have to. But if you're a caller-based show, like most of our shows here are, that's what it is. There's no real alternative. Now you can try to, like you did, try to sort of branch out or, get a new caller base somehow. Mm-hmm. But the odds are that that's not going to be successful. That's been right. proven out for 40 years of talk radio.
1: Yes. And people whenever I tweet sometimes I'll tweet things about the callers, I'll go, oh, these the callers suck today or and people be people will write to me. People will hear this and say, You the callers pay your paycheck. They don't. The callers do not pay my paycheck. No, they're one percent of the audience. Less than less than one percent. The listeners pay my paycheck. Yes. So the whole like my dream show that this would be, and I always tried to fight this with uh, Boomer and Carton. I will. It's it, it's going to be a losing battle, especially mm-hmm. Boomer's new fascination with taking phone calls. Yes. Boomer loves when it was Boomer and Carton. Boomer did not touch the phones. Rarely. Yes. Rarely. And if he did, Craig would yell at him. Yes. Now he's all on the phone calls. Mm-hmm. My dream is to set up an hourly clock where from the top of the hour to 17 after is the two hosts talking about the day's big topics. whatever they, Whether that's one topic, two topics, three topics, or four topics, depending on the importance of the topic. Yes. No phone calls. We go to break. We come back. Jerry Rello rolls on in. Mm-hmm. He does his update. It's fun interaction. We're all goofing around. Very interactive uh, Yes. hour. You're involved. I'm involved. No phone calls. We take another break, mm-hmm. Eddie. Then we come back. The shorter segment. Yes. Bang out a couple calls there. Top of the hour. Start over again. Because most people don't listen to four hours. They get most. an hour.
2: Correct. Right.
1: You know what I mean? I do. What are your thoughts on these cars? Well, You've uh, been around this industry for a very long time. Uh, Before the cellular telephone was invented where everyone calls from a speakerphone and a car phone, you talk to people on a hard wire.
2: Yes. And, and we had a lot of the same callers. Same guys. Back then. Uh, but I do think that that's sort of an impossible dream. It's a nice ideal. I'm dreaming
1: perhaps... the impossible dream. Yes, you are,
2: Don Quixote. So... It's um, it's something to strive for, but in reality, I just I don't ever see it working, um, unless it was you know the Al Duke show, mm. and then perhaps you could structure it in such a way, right? Although you may find that. Oh my God! It's only ten after. Yes, <laughs> let's go to the
1: calls. That's exactly what I would find. But that's
2: because you and I don't have whatever right. it is that Boomer and Geo have and Jerry has. Right, that thing that makes them be able to be yes. successful hosts on the air.
1: Yeah. How about like? Listen, the overnight. Here is where I think the regular callers fit in. Mm-hmm. Overnight shift.
2: And the overnight, that is so much more of a family feel. Yes. Much more than the other. Just because the the volume of calls is so much greater. And it's so much more of your programming than it is during the other shows where there's more commercials. There's usually two or three hosts. So, uh, But the overnight, it's just the one guy and the callers. And it's very much like a family. And that's gone back years and years. And when I listened to George Norrie on the overnight, even though he has frequent guests and uh, doesn't do as many open phones. But right. they, when they do get through, it's, uh it feels like a family.
1: Yes, it's a unique situation. Yes, overnight. There's Absolutely. something going on in your life if at 3 a.m. you have the radio on. Yes. You have an interesting job where you're working in the middle of the night. Uh, you have insomnia. Yep. Uh, something.
2: You're just like sort of a lonely person. Yes. And this is your only friend.
1: So I love the regular callers in the overnight.
2: Right. It's a whole different feel.
1: But that's the only time I love the regular callers. Mm -hmm. That overnight section where it seems to make sense to me. Here's the other thing. When I'll have certain guys that I like as callers to the morning show. Yes. But they call at the exact same time every day. Mm -hmm. Not going to put you on. Right. Because you can't. I'll give you a perfect example. There's a guy named James in Woodhaven. Okay. Was calling me every day at 6:05. Every day. I can't put you, you can't be the first caller every day. You don't work here. Right. It's not you, the James and Woodhaven show.
2: But perhaps James and Woodhaven, this is the only time he can call. Or is he one of the ones who calls for four hours? No,
1: well, that's the thing. So, and here's the other, the weird, the weird uh, kind of battle I go through with these guys. So let's say, let's use a guy like James and Woodhaven. Mm-hmm. We don't know his last name. We don't know anything about him. That's who he calls in under. So James in Woodhaven calls at 6.05. I put him on. Uh, The next day he calls at 6.05. Maybe I put him on. Third day calls at 6.05. I don't want to have an awkward conversation. No, So I don't pick up the phone. Right. And I go, you know what? In two or three days, I'll pick up James in Woodhaven again. Mm -hmm. But in that meantime, that third day when he calls and I don't answer at 6.05, he calls for four hours. Ah, then I think I can't put this guy on again. He's
2: he's insane.
1: He's calling just to get on. He doesn't feel strongly about something. And also,
2: he's he's calling me for four hours, and I'm not right. picking up. And
1: then, so then, the next day at six oh five, he calls. I like, go, oh, I am picking him up. He called me for another four hours. Mm-hmm. He calls. The next day, another... Fo- well, now I can't ever pick him
2: up. Right, because he's sort of crossed some line. He's
1: crossed the line in my yes. head. Yes,
2: and then you have other regulars who get it, or yes. at least get you, Ant in Belleville.
1: Anthony in Belleville.
2: Now, he'll call, and he'll sometimes, or oftentimes, just talk to you.
1: He calls me uh, many times a week and doesn't get on the air. Right. He'll call me with a Seinfeld reference, and he knows most of the hosts have... Did not watch Seinfeld right. closely enough to get his jokes. I get them. He'll call to chat, and then boom, he's not on the air though. Right, but, but I will always pick him up.
2: Yes, but you've developed something with him—a rapport. And in a way, he doesn't. You know, you're serving your his conversation with you is is filling the void of that would normally be filled by being on the air. Yes, so he's just sort of using you to get his fix, whatever Perfect. that is. And then, but he does More understand, comforting. and he he does in a way get it, yes. even though he calls the radio show every day.
1: Right. Okay. Now I loved Howard Stern. Yes. I've never called Howard Stern. Shit. Right. In all of my many thirty years of listening, mm-hmm. nineteen eighty-seven, I found his uh, eighty-six. Yes. When I found NBC. his program, uh, I was first uh, first or second year at K Rock. He went to K Rock in eighty-five. Okay. Um. Never called.
2: Are you sure about yes. that? Yes did he do afternoons
1: he did uh when he, in 85 he moved to afternoons on K Rock and then by 86 he went to mornings okay that's when i found him yes uh in my car going to high school the heavy metal station Seton hall's wsou must have been in commercial mm. or or playing an ace freely solo cut that i wasn't interested in mm-hmm. uh so i bounced around uh but never thought to call you know um it's just it's a it's a weird Sort of uh, relationship, and it needs to be studied. I want it academically studied. It, it. it
2: uh, isn't uh, someone you know, sort of maybe having. Gina a, uh, is
1: uh, working on. Uh, she wants she wants to do a uh, some sort of documentary on callers,
2: but she's going to have her students work on the yes, project. Yes, her and her students. It it, it is fascinating, and not fascinating. just uh, you know just the people who call Rush Limbaugh all the time or any of right. these long time. Yes. Hosts. But
1: those hosts would never put those same people on over and over again. Ah. Howard Stern does. He's got a group and it's annoying as a listener. Yes. That every time he goes to the phone, it's the same five characters. I'm over it.
2: But aren't they the whack pack? Whack pack. Yes. Yes. And the whack pack members have changed slightly over the years. Well,
1: they die off literally. Literally die off. Die off and new ones are uh, brought in.
2: Mhm. Uh
1: but the other weird thing is like with with these guys that are hardcore callers, is when they call in, they might say, I want to talk about the Rangers. That's what they felt passionately about. Right. And I say, oh, we're not doing Rangers right now. What are you guys doing? I will never put that yeah, call that, in the that's air. that's a bad move. That's someone calling to get on just to get on.
2: Right. And any of you who are listening to yeah. this, now you know the secret, how to get around to hell. Yeah. Just say, I want to talk about, what," and then repeat what the guys are talking about yeah. with some interesting take, if you have one.
1: And then if you... You uh, get past me and fool me. I will hit you with a block the next time.
2: But you'll have beaten out at least the one, one time, time.
1: You will have you will have won the battle. I will have won the war.
2: True. Yes. But now having said all this, yes, we love the medium, obviously. Love it. I mean, we've been doing it. You've been a fan of radio shows. Long uh, time. Since uh, you were a teenager. I've been in the industry since, God knows, 1989, for God's sakes. Uh, and you worked time. in Tampa, and you worked at other shows, and this and that. Um, and we love the medium. And we do love, in a way, even though Al seems like he hates, we do kind of love the whole experience, the, the whole psychology of it all. Yes. Um, and ultimately, it is our lifeblood. Um, the The callers sort of feed everything that we do.
1: Only if you let them
2: yes but we do and that's i know but been, that's
1: p- part of the laziness of the format is uh, my opinion
2: uh i see that yes that that you can totally make that argument that oh here's my thoughts oh let's open up the phone yes yeah. easy this to take way, phone
1: calls and react versus tr- creating content
2: not as easy to take the phone calls and not react and just, <laughs> <laughs> as as some Which people trying are trying to at do at this point yes so um yeah, it and it's such a again a small such a small percentage of our listening audience yes. or viewing audience. Correct. Less than one percent.
1: Right. So my tweet today, which started this whole thing, was I was looking to expand the caller base. hmm Because there are people when I when we go out and do appearances or, or the radio station does events and we meet people, there are people that want to call in. Number one, they don't know the number. Number two they assume they won't get through mm-hmm. uh they all think that the regulars have some sort of special line
2: which they do not
1: they do not they just call constantly
2: now sour shoes okay he does have the line he has some sort of line to block that.
1: we don't know how he got it yeah, but, but he has
2: it but whatever he's sour shoes
1: and by the way sour shoes calls me almost every day I know how often do you hear him on here
2: once every three weeks right tops maybe.
1: Because it's too much.
2: Yes. Agreed. Do you feel better, Al? A little bit. Do you feel like you we've sort of worked a little something out?
1: Psychologically for me? Yes.
2: I feel that's my role many days with you. Yes. Is sort of being, uh, I don't know what you want, your counselor, yes. if you will.
1: You're a very calming influence. I'm I a try. somebody who flies off the handle. You do. You do not. No. Who are some others that you've worked with on a regular basis in that room the way you've worked with me for 10 years?
2: Oh gosh! Uh, well, Dove, Dove Kramer. Although I was, the roles were re- reversed.
1: You were producer. Dove Correct. was running and the board. I was
2: the call screener. Um, did you guys
1: work well together? Yes. Personality we did. wise?
2: Uh, yes. Um, well, I I can get along with most everyone, and you know we you develop a rapport work. I think I worked with him not as long. I, you're the one I've worked the longest with. But Dove, I think it was about eight years.
1: Did you enjoy screening phone calls?
2: No, I did not. Uh, it was uh, I. I. I always thought that I was uh, not stern enough. Like I could never do <laughs> what you do with mm-hmm. the callers and scream at them and have yes. fights with them. First of all, I'm not interested in having fights, and you actually like to have. I do like with a people. good battle. Um, but from, and you would, and this is probably, you know, maybe my greatest strength, but at the same time, my greatest weakness. I was too nice, and therefore I would put a poor caller on the air just because I felt bad for them, yeah. which is not a, a good, uh, the mark of a good call screener.
1: But you were also in an era before we had the software on the computer that Correct. would show you this. Number right. calling in yeah. now has called fifteen thousand times,
2: yes. yeah, it was just an old That's harder. it was an oh my God, it's
1: harder to say someone's face, yeah, I mean, I've gotten good at it over the years, yes, but it used to be difficult,
2: yeah, and then with the old phones, I mean, you was sometimes you would then suspect that you know this guy was and you would there was a way to just pick up and kind of listen you know you would hear in the background. And sometimes there would be something that would tip it off. Either he was breathing heavy or he had the he had the radio blasting or the TV yeah. or something was going on. And and you sort of just kind of quietly hung up on him the first time. And then the next time you would do that thing where you would just listen for the background noise. That's great. a little trick. So you that's a good trick. And I used to do that because I didn't want to be mean to. Yes. them. Yes. And you know, again, the a poor call screener is, uh, you know, you can't be too nice. Right.
1: All right, so Dove you worked with? Did you work with uh Mike and the Mad Dog I, producer yeah, uh
2: Mark Malusis? Is Mark Malusis. I worked with.
1: Uh, what was he like as a producer?
2: Uh he was um
1: he was a, he was the producer screening calls correct. and such.
2: Screening calls, booking the guest and you know that was uh you know with the two of them with what they were, you know, if they were fighting with one another, if they were angry with one another. Yes. Um you know, those could those could be trying times also.
1: Now when you you saw that Right, so Mike, you worked uh, with a couple different guys that worked with Mike and the Mad Dog, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as the uh, board operator, you are uh, you are less in the line of their attacks, their anger. Yes, it's yes, a- aimed at the producer.
2: Uh, he, when something went wrong with the yeah. show, it was usually not my fault. Yeah, it was. You know. And again, not that it was necessarily the fault of the producer, but that's what they perceived. Right. Or if they were angry at one another and they didn't want to scream at one another, they would scream at the producer. It was a whole weird thing. So I had
1: that position at the Fabulous Sports Babe. Yes. I was I was running the board. I was never uh, the one that had the anger aimed at them when something went wrong. So that was nice to, to kind of look on, be on the outside. How did Moose handle things as producer?
2: Uh, it was very stressful for him. He was he was a lot younger. Was yeah. not yet married. Wasn't a full time host, and you know we didn't have the responsibilities of fatherhood and life and that whole thing. So he was just a young kid who was very emotional and would have these you know would get upset and depressed when things wouldn't go well, and you know. But you know you just sort of have to take your lumps and learn and and move on
1: and then carlin as well did you work with carlin
2: i did not work with carlin when he was the producer uh he had moved on but i've worked with him you know i've worked with him as a i was producing his show i've run the board for his shows but never in the room with him as producer, although I was right there. I was in the newsroom when he was doing his producing, so I was aware of what was going
1: on. What about uh, Eddie Erickson? Did you work with him? Uh, ever?
2: Yes, because I believe I worked with Eddie for a few months before I moved here uh, to the Boomer and Carton show. Uh, I was worked with Eddie after Melusis left and, he, and Eddie Erickson took over.
1: And, uh, Eddie's Erickson still works with a mad dog. I believe over yes. At no, no,
2: yes. And Eddie, Eddie was, um, he was a bit high strung, high strung. Um, and, uh, there has some interesting times in there. Like he would get like angry, not at me or anyone in specific, but just at the situation and would vent and scream much like you do. Mm-hmm. But and then obviously when he would talk to Mike and Chris, it was, he was calm, but he had to get it out, had to get that frustration and anger out. And it was not really anger with the callers like you. It was just at the guys who would just drive him up the wall.
1: So he would scream about them in there. Oh, yeah. And then walk into this room and have a normal conversation. Yeah, yeah. and right? try to
2: just maintain. <laughs> sometimes you could see he just wanted to <laughs> shoot them in the head. And if he had a gun, he might have.
1: Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. stressful sometimes yeah. well, working with the personalities.
2: Weird thing with David Lee Roth. Right. It was a bizarre situation. Oh, tough to work with.
1: Well, like Boomer and Carton were very easy to work with. Oh my with. God! Yes. Boomer and Geo very easy to work yes. with. Jerry very easy yes. to work with. I've been it's...
2: so blessed. Like yes. Summer. I my first full time uh, job was with Steve Summers, uh, which he can be quite um, particular and difficult tough to work with for producers at, at, at times. Yes. And then uh, with uh, Mike Lupica and Len Berman, that whole failed experiment, uh, that was a tough situation. And then I worked with uh, Russ Salzberg and then Russ and Steve. Uh, that was a tough situation. And then Mike and Dog, where I was not in the role of producer. Um, but yet again, they had their their little battles. And then here, and it's been like, wow, these guys. There's no no bullshit. No, right. Sorry to curse podcast people. There's no none of that sort of tension that just doesn't need to be there for whatever reason, and is rare in radio, I think, yes, to have that situation. And we actually have two shows like that because Joe and Evan, right. the same thing. None easy of that to work with. Easy to work with. And uh, so, yeah, we have actually two shows here that are unique in that in radio land that it's none of that really crazy crap that you deal with usually.
1: And we don't know what goes on with Carl and Maggie and Bart, but yeah, I yeah. imagine they seem to be easy to work
2: with. Yes, I know all of them. I know Carlin very well. I know Bart and Maggie a little bit. And so I would agree with you that it would seem to be, in that aspect of things, easy to deal with. However, we don't know. We're not in the room, and also it's a new show. They're right. they're sort of trying to find themselves and trying to find a way to be together that flows easily, which they're still working on.
1: And replacing a legend.
2: That is Not uh, easy. also... Yeah, stressful. That's, that's difficult, yes. It would be stressful. Right.
1: All right, I think this was a tremendous podcast. Alrighty. Uh We've uh, gone on
2: a very oh my long God. time. We've been almost a half an hour. At least. Holy crap.
1: Well, it was important. We needed to get this out well, there. Well, I
2: think you needed it, Al.
1: I needed to get that you out. Did. I should have laid on a couch when I... Perhaps. ...said all these things. Mm-hmm. All right, the warm-up show is next. I did that with uh, one Christopher Lepresti. Yes. And Jerry will be back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, I, I <clears throat> I've set up the air mattress in Boomer's office. Excellent for Jerry, right, to sleep on. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally was supposed to be sleeping on the couch. Boomer got Boomer got a couch that is not comfortable for sleeping on.
2: Right, and it's like probably like you know eight thousand dollars. Yes. in Corinthian leather. Yep, and if you drool on it,
1: there will be a problem. Yeah, big problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Uh, okay. Warm up next. you. So- 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 It's the warm-up show with Al and Jerry, brought to you by Newcastle Building Products, the only streak-free roof from Garden 3M. Use it on your roof already. Oh, uh, hi there. Al Dukes here. Uh, Jerry is in Columbus, Ohio for Rutgers, Ohio State. Eddie says Rutgers is going to get killed, so CeeLo joins me.
3: Hi, Al. I should tell you that this portion is sponsored by Staples. Isn't that exciting?
1: Yes. Uh, the traffic uh, reporter mentioned a fog. The fog. The fog yes. uh, rolling in. You know I have fog lights on my car? I don't feel like those things do a
3: thing. No. I always forget that I have them. I never turn them on.
1: I turn them on because oh, uh, right. what you're not supposed to do is put your high beams on in the uh, fog because right. it just lights up the fog.
3: Yeah, they, that doesn't help.
1: It you actually looks worse. The fog lights... Uh, are low-lying lights that are supposed to let you see mm. better, but I don't really think they do anything. And yet every time I go to buy a car, I'm like, does it have fog lamps? Right. It's, a big,
3: I, it's a big sell.
1: It's a big sell for right. me because I'm like, I feel like I need fog lamps. See,
3: I'm lazy and bougie. I just have the lights on auto all the time, so I don't have to worry about turning them on and off. You know? Yes,
1: but even with auto lights, you should still have to mm. additionally click on your fog lamps. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't So do that. put those on this morning. Okay. You know, CeeLo, every year, baseball, we get different things as camp starts. Like like, uh, like last year, Noah Syndergaard showed up weighing a 60 pounds more than he did previously and was eating bowls of doom, these big bowls of meat and that sort of thing. 60 pounds?
3: Well, maybe it was Sounds 15. Little... Yeah, okay. That's it was better. 15
1: pounds. Right. Uh, DeGrom cut his hair.
3: Last October. Last October. Still a story.
1: Still a story. Uh, and now we get Yolanus Cespedes. Mm. Uh, shows up and he's doing yoga
3: instead of squatting 900 pounds. Yeah, a little bit of a change.
1: Previously was squatting 900 pounds. Now does yoga, <laughs> which I thought was just stretching, but it is really using your body weight to do things. Mm. Uh, Sting, you know Sting yeah, the singer, sure, formerly of the Police. He's a big yoga guy. Um, just,
3: just Sting. That's that's who came to your mind. That's first. who comes to my mind immediately. <laughs> okay.
1: You know why? Because Sting was the first guy that I remember. As a man admitting to doing yoga. Okay. And then I would see Sting shirtless in, like, the late 80s. I'm like, that guy's muscular.
3: So he started the trend is what you're saying. To me, when okay. I think
1: yoga for men. Uh, there he is practicing. Um, That's um, a met training camp. uh um, Ed sent that uh, over to that us. That's Cespedes? Yeah, that was Cespedes. Getting his uh, workout in? Yeah, his getting his workout, yeah. uh, getting his swings in the cage. Oh, boy. Uh, so man yoga, mm. first thing. Then this second man I realized who did yoga was Brian Jones, who used to work here.
3: That's another large, ripped man.
1: Yeah, so he had a big barrel chest, which you would think you would need to with just a uh, chest press. Yeah. But guys do get muscular on yoga.
3: Well, wait a second. Brian Jones doesn't do any weightlifting? That's just from yoga?
1: Yeah, that's what he claims. Come on. That's what I said. But there are guys that say if you do yoga, you will get muscular in the chest, in the arms, all those sorts of things. Well,
3: are you going to add that to your routine? Um... I'm not very uh, flexible. Well, you got to. I mean, that's why Seth says, but is doing it to become more flexible.
1: I like how he goes. Uh, I want to be MVP. How about just be the best guy on the Mets?
3: That that would be a good place to start
1: as a starter. Yes. Go, let's go with best outfielder.
3: Okay. Well, you're really the setting the bar low. No. Yes, set
1: the bar low, <laughs> and then slowly you can go MVP. <clears throat> you
3: gonna go? How about just the best left fielder on yeah, the team? Can we do that?
1: Be the best left fielder that the Mets have yeah. on the club right now in spring training. <laughs> So yeah, yoga's the thing this year. C-Lo. Have you done it ever? Like um, one
3: session on a on a cruise or something on no. a vacation? No, uh, not exactly. Never done it. I I've did done go it once or twice. You did? Yeah, you know. Really? It's it's stretching.
1: I'm uh uh always worried about the the smells in yoga classes.
3: The smells? Yeah,
1: because people, you know, um, Perspirate? Uh, perspirate Okay. Uh, other things uh, are released when they're in those weird poses and that sort of thing. Other. Th- other things, bath things you might do normally in a bathroom. I am not gonna
0: fart.
3: Okay. There you go. I, I wasn't aware of that. Oh I mean, yeah. That you know, happens. So that happens in yoga, but not if you're on the treadmill or you're you no, know because, squatting right. or no, that doesn't happen. Well that happens. So there if you're too, squatting but... like six hundred pounds and all that force is coming down, nothing will be released. But if you do some stretching in yoga, it might...
1: Well, the difference is in yoga. There's someone directly behind you. There's someone next to you. I you're see. directly behind you're like someone. All up in there. Everyone's okay. very close. All right. So That's I'm fair. not going to do that. Fair enough. Uh, and then also we got yesterday in the baseball world, the locally here was everyone was excited for Stanton and Judge to take batting practice. It's a little much. They filled that uh, Steinbrenner Field down there in Tampa. Yeah. Packed it, two thousand people, for nothing.
3: <laughs> well. Wow. Not nothing, but not, not as much as you would think.
1: They hit, if I've got this correctly, six balls over the fence. Combined. Out of four rounds. That's correct. Of batting practice.
3: Yeah. You want to throw Sanchez in there, he hit three. So it was nine between yeah. the three of them.
1: Fans were thinking, oh, home run derby. We're going to get 30 homers from each of these dudes. Not so much. They were disappointing.
3: It's spring training, man. They've they, they got to get the swings in order before we can be launching balls left and right over the fence.
1: I guess so. I was expecting a little more. It was the big hype. It was the number one stories on the, the back pages. Yeah. Batting practice. It's
3: February, dude. Sweeney was down there. Well, he's there anyway.
1: Oh, he would been there anyway. Yeah. Uh, he was, re- he was disappointed. That yes, was where I was. first saw it. I first saw a Sweeney report. He was like,
3: of the video of him with that huge glove on his hand? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? He's like, what was the deal with that glove?
1: Well, he's going to snag some yeah, uh, but home it was run like, balls. it was
3: like an oversized glove.
1: Well, you, you had to beat that one guy out who's caught like 800 uh, foul balls. Oh, Zach Hempel or whatever his name guy. is. Uh, also, baseball yesterday, CeeLo, uh, they're going to do uh, the pace of play
3: changes. Pace of play? What you, now. carry Carey over there?
1: I did some math here. So one of the things they're going to do is uh, they're shaving 20 seconds off of the in-between innings.
3: Shaving it right off.
1: 20 seconds. Yeah. So I did the math there. CeeLo, well, there are nine innings in baseball, mm. which would be two half innings. So that's 18. I took 18, and I times it by 20 seconds, mm-hmm. and I came up with six minutes. That's <laughs> not going to do anything for me.
3: <laughs> Well, if you're only talking about you, you're going to need a lot of I'm going to need a lot this of changes. It's the guy who won't watch a movie that's more than 90 minutes long. Right. So, I mean, Tell
1: your story in 90 minutes. Yeah. Get your baseball game under two hours. <laughs> six
3: minutes is not going to not going to cut it for you. Yeah, six you minutes. You need them to play like four and a half inning, five yeah. inning games pretty much. Yeah, yeah let's,
1: let's play seven it's, innings.
2: It's baby steps out.
1: Baby steps.
2: The smallest journey or the longest journey begins with a single step.
1: Like the yoga thing. I can't be very bendable on my first day of yoga, right. but by the end of my yoga program, I'd You'll be, be a pretzel. I'd be a pretzel.
3: Got to make a commitment.
1: Got to make a commitment, sure. Um And then they're going to limit the mound visits to six per game, which seems an insane amount already. It's Have not you
3: actually keeping count of how many I mound haven't. visits. they usually sometimes there's five in an inning, dude. Really? With the catchers, yes. Notice they it's players, catchers, or excuse me, players, managers, and coaches. So managers and coaches, okay, pitching coach runs out every day. But the catcher mound visits, it's ridiculous. You get three and one at bats sometimes.
1: I wonder how far out the catcher's allowed to go before he's considered a mound visit. Could That's I take three steps to. in front of the plate and yell, "Throw it low"?
3: <laughs> I don't think that they'll be doing that, but. I did see that's all at the umpire's discretion to the point where if a team uses up all six and then they go to do a seventh, there's not like some penalty or anything. Yeah, I didn't Basically, like The that. ump just has to be, scold them and say, no, you can't do that. Right.
1: Then they're like, oh, extra innings, you get another mound visit. You
3: get, I think, one per inning in and yeah. extra innings, right?
1: Then it's like, oh, pinch hitter comes in. You could use another one of your mound <laughs> visits. And then the, the the worst one was they go.
3: If the umpire, if the
1: catcher and pitcher, uh, there's some confusion and the umpire wants to give them another mound
3: visit, no.
1: visits. A lot of gray area. A lot of gray
3: area. There. Of gray I think area. you need to get your boy Rob Manfred on the phone this morning and uh, let him know you're not happy with these changes.
1: Yeah, Rob Manfred, let's go. I didn't like that. Mm. I don't like that one, the cross-up one. Why don't they just put in their ears, like, uh, you know, uh, NFL, celo you covered the Jets, yeah. how the quarterback will have in his ear,
3: And the, the guy on defense, usually the middle linebacker. Yes. Yes.
1: Put an earpiece in for the pitcher and the catcher, then they can mumble
2: like mm-hmm. this. Time to
1: take a break. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Throw it on sword. <laughs> Current no floor. really. Time to oh, take break. Yes.
3: Sorry. This portion sponsored by Staples. Staples can save your business money. And now during the Staples Chair Event, you'll save big on a full range of office and desk chairs, some up to fifty percent off. A better chair equals a better workday. Ends three ten. Staples.
1: It's the dynamic duo of Alan Jerry on the warm up show. Brought to you by Newcastle Building Products and the only streak free roof from Scotchgard Garden 3M. The superheroes of building products.
3: All right, we're back. Crystal Presty in for Jerry Reco with Al this morning. This portion sponsored by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Mets and Yankees underway with full squad workouts down in Tampa. In Pyeongchang, U.S. men's hockey team beats Slovakia. Five to one, they're on to the quarterfinals against the Czech Republic. Islanders lost to the Wild at Barclays Center, five to three. The Devils home for Columbus tonight. It's on One Jersey Network at six fifty. You have enough things to worry about every day. Insurance shouldn't be one of them. You can leave worry behind when Liberty stands with you. Liberty Mutual Insurance. Out.
1: Cee-lo, there's a guy on the Chiefs. His name is Laurent Duvernay-Tardif.
3: Never heard of him in my entire life.
1: Me neither. Uh, While well, he's finishing up his medical degree. And he's petitioning the NFL. He wants his jersey to on the back to say uh, Duvernay Tardif MD. Le false Falls. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I like it too. It's tremendous. Now, they changed up the rules with uh, Robert Griffin. They let him put the the three.
3: Yeah. And now everyone, it's, it's gone out of control. Golden Tate has it. Right. Guys have four IV.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to fit. I always like when, like, the jerseys, when their names MD. are so long, they have to shrink the uh, font. Yes. Like, that's, you, you're you shrinking the font on this one.
3: <laughs> MD.
1: Duvernay. All
3: Tardif. Can, MD. All, all I can think of is when Kramer doubles as the, the proctologist.
1: Uh, Penny Packer?
3: Yeah. No. Yes, I guess. But with the, the the license plate. Oh, the ass right? man. Yeah, the ass man. Yes. Right? I get the that proctologist? The proctologist, right?
1: Yeah. right. Penny Packer points, was a different doctor he, he pretended at, to be. Yeah,
3: exactly right. But he points to the license plate to use the, use the parking yeah. space. <laughs> ass that, man. And uh, uh, Daytona
1: 500 winner, Austin Dillon. Speaking of butts. Yeah. Got a tattoo on his butt. <laughs> Champ, it says. It's not bad. He says only his, quote, he said, hot wife is going to see it. In oh, the butt. Yeah. yeah.
3: He'll be in Playbo- Playgirl or whatever. Yeah. Like a year. No, I have
1: seen naked butts. Yeah. Oh. Well, his naked butt has champ on it.
3: Here's my beef with that. I mean, it's kind of cool. You've got
1: a beef with the guy getting champ tattooed. Not so tattooed. much that
3: he did it, but like, I mean, can we wait a couple of days? That's no. That's the first thing he wanted to do? The day after he went to Daytona 5, let me run to the tattoo parlor and get this Pasted it on my butt?
1: Well, they said a bunch of Eagles players, as soon as they got back from the Super Bowl, they, they hit up tattoo shops. Jeez, they were getting... Uh, Near the
3: butt. It's a
0: big of week of ticket giveaways on, on the
3: fan. Before we get started, I just want to say on behalf of every single Met fan out there, this is the Rico Bronya Podcast. On behalf of all of the people that were at Chase Stadium on that October night, on behalf
0: of every Met fan that's watched this man pitch, let me just tell Adam Wainwright, can you go... F- yourself (laughs) wow wow you weren't kidding you were you came in hot subscribe and listen to the rico Bronya podcast available on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast